Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm referee low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you guys today. We are going to be joined by Jason Radowitz. He does a terrific job over there with SBREK Sportsbook Review. Does a show Monday through Friday for them, the game day MLB, and odds checker as well. We're going to be breaking down the card that we've got for this wonderful Thursday of baseball. We're also going to be taking a look at some of these teams with regards to just the futures in general. I'm going to be talking with them a little bit about the Dodgers, what are the whether or not he thinks that they should still be the World Series favorites. So we're going to be diving into that in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GRSCORTY1. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you into there. Did wind up getting in one Twitter question today, so let's dive into it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Get this one in from Mr. Degenerosity. At Mr. Degenerosity on Twitter, he asks, at GNRSCore, do you usually bet action? 
or do you bet both starting pitchers to start and why? I wind up having different bets for different games. If you think a game is going to be an absolute slugfest and if you wind up taking the over, there is no reason to really go pitcher dependent unless if you just have a heavy fade on that pitcher like a Matt Harvey. Like, say for instance, you've got... Let's go with a Boston Red Sox versus, let's throw out there another high-scoring team, Toronto Blue Jays game, for example. You think that both the pitchers are going to get relatively shelled, and you think that both offenses are really going to ignite. If the Boston Red Sox were to, say, take out Eduardo Rodriguez, a guy that has a relatively IERA, the Boston Red Sox have been able to score a lot for him, and they replace him with a bullpen game, are you really going to be like, all right, now I really like the under Probably not. At the same time, if you're betting the Brewers versus the Mets, if you've got Corbin Burns versus Jacob DeGrom like yesterday, if you like the Brewers in that spot, you probably want to be going pitcher dependent with Corbin Burns. If you like the Mets, you probably want to be going pitcher dependent with Jacob DeGrom. And it's just one of these things in which you want to gauge it on a situation-by-situation basis. If your handicap is really reliant upon that starting pitcher, you want to be going pitcher dependent every single time. Meanwhile, if you've got a situation like the Tampa Bay Rays do so many times when someone like a Ryan Yarbrough or Josh Fleming winds up pitching where they oftentimes are not able to go, they wind up having an opener in their place, that's where you'd probably want to go action because you know at some point you're going to get Ryan Yarbrough. The question is, are you going to wind up having someone like an Andrew Kittredge for an entering or two beforehand? So that's the way I do it. It's just a different bets for different situations sort of thing. It's just all about being malleable. Obviously, if you're going to be betting the Padres versus the Nationals game, for example, today, if you got Max Scherzer versus you Darvish, whichever way you wind up betting on the money line, I would encourage you guys to go pitcher dependent because of fall off. If you don't wind up having Scherzer go for the Washington Nationals and vice versa, if you wind up betting on the Padres and you Darvish gets scratched, that is going to be a big one. So that's the best advice I could give you there. Different bets for different situations. I pre- Appreciate the question, so thank you very much, Mr. D. Generosity. Now let's take a look back at everything that we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Houston Astros continue to beat up on the Oakland A's as the A's were able to get a little bit of something going early on in the game, but it was ultimately the Astros that get the job done by a count of 4-3 to three and... I'll give credit to the Twitter handle here at JMTomSick. That is T-O-M on Tom. He's got the name as Y so serious with two question marks. The Astros are now 29-7 and in their last 36 games against the Oakland A's. I believe that most of those A's wins have ironically been in Houston. But for Sean Manea, he was hurt by a pair of errors as actually both of these teams wound up committing a pair of errors in this game. As for the Houston Astros, they were able to get the deep ball going in this one going deep. For the Houston Astros, you wound up having Jose Altuve get a three-run homer, his 19th homer on the year, and the tiebreaker was Kyle Tucker getting his 14th homer on the season. Those both come off of Mr. Manea, who gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of six and two-thirds innings. He was hurt by a Chad Pinder error. Sergio Romo, he committed an error of his own, but he was able to get four outs out of the bullpen, and for the Oakland A's, pair of home runs of their own. Elvis Andrews winds up going deep off of one. Christian Avier, his second home run of the season, and then Matt Olson able to get his 21st. The Olsen home run winds up coming off of Luis Garcia, who gave a relatively good start here. Gives up two hits. That's a home run over the course of five innings. Avier got into a lot of danger, giving up two runs in an inning, but it could have been worse. Had the bases loaded with no outs, despite those two runs already scored, and he was able to get out of it. From there, Blake Taylor 
Ryan Stanek and Ryan Presley. All we give you scoreless settings out of the bullpen. So the A's wind up losing once again to the Houston Astros. And the Astros, by the way, just continue to be very hot with the bat. They have scored at least four runs in all but one of their games in the month of July so far. So ever since that sweep against the Baltimore Orioles, they've been able to get off the mat and they've been able to get it done. The Arizona Diamondbacks have back-to-back wins for the first time since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Six to four the final for the Colorado Rockies. Antonio Senzatella, not necessarily the world's worst start, but it certainly could have been better. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Lucas Gilbreath comes out of the bullpen, and he really lit this game on fire. Gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Tyler Kinley, he gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, including a homer, and then Michael Givens was able to give you a scoreless signing of the bullpen from there. Eduardo Escobar, who's been really one of the lone bright spots for the years in the Diamondbacks, gets his 19th throw on the year. And Umberto Casianos in his first start of the season. I believe his first career start. Four scoreless settings. The Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen from there tried to blow. Joe Manapoli got no outs. Gave up three runs. Two of which were earned. You wind up having Matt Peacock go three innings and give up one run. That was a solo run. Brett guys, Joaquin Soria give you scoreless settings from there for the Colorado Rockies. They wind up getting a home run off the bat of Elias Diaz who gets his seventh home run of the season. And this is his fourth home run over the last 12 days so he's been able to heat up there. But for the Colorado Rockies another road loss. They are now six and 33 on the road so far this year. Meanwhile, the Arizona Diamondbacks now 10-50 and 50 in their last 60 games. The San Francisco Giants, after a pair of losses to the Cardinals, were able to get the job done against you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo by a count of 5-2 for the Cardinals in games in which Johan Oviedo has appeared in. They are now a lifetime 3-14 and 14 in those games as Oviedo gives up two runs over the course of four innings, which is really not great, but it's not terrible Brandon Waddle from there gives up a run out of the bullpen in two-thirds of an inning. John Gant gives you four outs out of the pen. And then you wind up having a trio of guys go two-thirds of an inning in Justin Miller along with Junior Fernandez and Adam Miller. For Justin Miller, he does wind up giving up two runs in his two-thirds of an inning, including Homer going deep for the San Francisco Giants in this one. Darren Ruff, his eighth homer on the season, and Alex Wood gave one of his best starts in quite a while. He had been struggling a little bit. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. Tyler Rogers gives up a run in an inning, but Jake McGee was able to close things out, and the Giants get this win despite leaving 12 men on base, 54-32. and That is still the best record out there in the National League, and the LA Dodgers, they wind up taking a sweep at the hands of the Miami Marlins. This is not something that we wound up expecting. 9-6 to a final. Pair of bullpen games in this one. Mitch White was the bulk guy essentially for the LA Dodgers. Goes four innings, gives up three runs, two of which were earned, including Homer. You wind up having pretty much a pseudo-opener in this game. Be Jake Reed gave up a solo home run in the first inning. Phil Bickford, he gives up a home run in one and a third inning solo home run. Joe Kelly winds up giving up a run in an inning. Kenley Jansen, the only Dodgers pitcher that did not wind up giving up a run. Two-thirds of an inning, clean, and then Edwin Yuseta winds up giving up a three-run walk-off home run. So that was not necessarily too terrific as it was Asus Aguiar getting that walk-off homer. His 14th of the season, Garrett Cooper looks like he is back to full health. Eighth and ninth home runs of the season for him. And then you have Asus Sanchez being able to get his third home run of the season. For us, Detweiler, he got the start for the Miami Marlins and Boy, it was not what they were hoping for. Gives up five runs, including three homers in two and two-thirds innings. Jordan Allway from there, who has actually been relatively decent for the Miami Marlins. Four and a third inning, scoreless out of the bullpen. Anthony Bass takes the hook line and sinker for a scoreless inning. And Anthony Bender does wind up giving up a homer in the ninth inning. But he winds up getting the win regardless, as for the Dodgers, homers in this one come off the bat of A.J. Pollock, his ninth of the season. Mookie Betts is 11th. Zach McKinstry is sixth. And Justin Turner down for what? His 14th homer of the season. And for the Miami Marlins, they are 
are really the only team out there in the National League East that have north of a plus 20 run differential, and yet they're currently dead last in the division at 38-47, of 47, but it's going to be an interesting division race, especially with what we wind up seeing out there with the Metropolitans on Wednesday as they wind up splitting a double dip with the Milwaukee Brewers. First one between Jacob deGrom and Corbin Burns had the lowest total I've ever seen for an official game at 4.5, but the Mets wind up going over the total and they wind up getting the win. 4-3 to three, the final. The only reason why this went over, by the way, is because in the 7th inning, Jose Peraza winds up getting a home run. That winds up coming off of Josh Hader, which that's not something that you expect. And for Jose Peraza, his 6th home run of the year in that one, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, they were able to get to Jacob deGrom early with a home run off the bat of Luis Odias in the first inning, his 11th home run of the season, and then Jace Peterson gets his 4th home run of the season, also off of deGrom, who goes 7 innings, gives up those 2 solo home runs, still punches out 10, he nods a gasp. 1.08 ERA. And then from there, Edwin Diaz winds up giving up an unearned run in the eighth, but he was able to get it done. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, you wind up having Corbin Burns give up one run in five and two-thirds innings. From there, Devin Williams was able to give you a little bit of something to be able to close out the sixth inning. Josh Hader gives up that home run to Barraza to cause extra innings. And then Brent Suter gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the eighth inning. So for those of you guys that like me that had the under, that was brutal. Meanwhile, the Brewers, they were able to get their revenge in game two. 5-0 the final as Brett Anderson a solid start slash open in this one. Goes four scoreless innings from there. Jake Cousins, Brad Boxberger, Hunter Strickland all able to give you scoreless innings for the Brewers and for the crew. A trio of home runs. Luis Arias winds up getting his 12th homer on the season. If that sounds familiar, you homered in both games. William Thomas, his 14th homer on the season and his 11th as a Brewer. That comes out for Drew Smith. And then you wind up having Robert Stock not necessarily give the world's greatest start. He winds up giving up a home run to Manny Pina. His fifth homer on the season for Stock gives up two runs over the course of four innings. From there, Drew Smith, two innings, giving up a run. Miguel Castro gives up two runs in a third of an inning. And it comes to Yancy Diaz, who winds up giving you two outs of the bullpen. And for the Mets, just nothing doing in this one. They had a grand total of three hits. So the Mets wind up splitting a pair. And the Mets still have the best win percentage at home of any team out there in the National League at 26-12. and 12. The other team that has been able to do a relatively inconsistent job all year long out there in New York, that would be the Yankees. But they go on the road. They take down the Seattle Mariners by a count of 5-4. A little bit of bait and switch here for the New York Yankees as it was supposed to be Domingo Ramon getting the start. He winds up coming in as a bulk guy for the Yankees. They wind up going with Nick Nelson who goes two-thirds of an inning. He gives up a run in the process. Luis Sessa follows him up with three and a third inning scoreless. Domingo Ramon, three scoreless innings from there. And then Jonathan Luizga and Chad Green both give you a scoreless inning. And for Ramon, he didn't give up an earned run, but he actually gave up three unearned runs as Gio Urshel wound up having a terrible fielding error. But the Yankees were bailed out thanks to the fact that they were able to get all five of their runs in the first two innings headlined by an Aaron Judge home run off of Yusei Kikuchi, his 20th home run of the season for Kikuchi. Gives up all five runs in the first two innings, goes five innings, gives up those runs. From there, the bullpen looked good. JT Chargua, Keenan Middleton, Drew second rider, Paul Seawalt, all able to give you a scoreless inning, but you figured regression was going to set in for the Seattle Mariners. Currently at 45-42 and 42 with a run differential that is one of the worst out there in the big leagues. They currently have a negative 54 run differential, which is worse than that of the 34-53 and 53 Texas Rangers, so you've got that going on. Meanwhile, with the Texas Rangers, 
Rangers, who I just wanted to mention, they wind up losing a Kyle Gibson start at home by a count of 5-3 for Gibson. He entered into this game with right around a ERA of 1 at home. You figured regression was going to set in, and boy did it. He gives up all five runs in six and a third innings, including a homer from there. Taylor Hearn was able to give you a scoreless inning. Jolie Rodriguez, two-thirds of an inning scoreless. And Joe Barlow was able to give you a scoreless inning. But for the Tigres, you were able to get a home run off the bat of Jameer Candelario. Fifth home run season, and Casey Mize continue to be very solid for the Tigers. He does wind up giving up two home runs, but both were sole home runs going deep for the Texas Rangers. Joey Gallo twice. His 22nd and 23rd home runs of the season. This man has now had eight home runs in the last 12 days, so he is all of a sudden on fire, but the Tigers' bullpen has been able to come around. Erasmo Ramirez winds up giving up a run without recording it out, but Kyle Funkhauser, Gregory Soto both give you two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, and OCC Sierra was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, all of a sudden you're looking at something with this team. They have now won, I believe it is four out of their last five games. They're starting to play some respectable baseball, so give them a little bit of credit with that said, the AL Central is currently being run by the Chicago White Sox, despite all the injuries that they've had. 6-1, they wind up getting the job done as Lance Lynn. Well, he's not injured, and he looked very good in this start. He winds up giving up one solo home run over the course of six innings, going deep for the Minnesota Twins. Trevor Larnich, his seventh home run of the season. From there, White Sox bullpen was able to hold it down. Ryan Burr, fresh off the injured list, he was able to give the team a scoreless inning. Jose Ruiz was able to give you a scoreless inning, and Cody Garrett-Crochet were both able to combine for a scoreless inning, and for the White Sox, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Lurie Garcia. Third home run of the season is Michael Pineda. Made his first start off the injured list, and he looked like Michael Pineda. Not sure why they left him in this long. Five and a third innings, he gives up five runs, 12 hits. I can't remember the last time I saw a starting pitcher give up 12 hits. From there, Derek Law gives you two and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run in the process. Caleb Theobar was able to give you a scoreless inning, but the Minnesota Twins now 35-50 and 50 and out there in the AL Central. They are at the bottom as the Kansas City Royals are above them by half a game. As for the Kansas City Royals, it has not necessarily been the world's greatest run for them, and they wind up losing again on Wednesday as the Cincinnati Reds took it to them. 5-2 the final for the Reds. No home runs, but they go 4-14 with men in scoring position, and they got a great start out of Sonny Gray. Gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Josh Osich, Art Warren combined for a scoreless inning, and Ethan Embry able to close things out in the ninth with a scoreless inning in for the Royals. Brady Singer, he gave the team a solid start. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. This Kansas City Royals bullpen that was actually relatively solid in the first month and a half of the season has all of a sudden been thrown into the toilet. Kyle Zimmer winds up giving up a run in an inning. Greg Holland gives up a run in an inning. Scott Barlow gives up two runs in an inning. And for the Royals, they go 1-5 with men in scoring position. Just absolutely nothing doing. And for the Cincinnati Reds, all of a sudden, this is a bunch that they have been able to get very hot. They have won all but one of their games out there in the month of July. 6-1 is that mark, and now they're going to be heading to Milwaukee to try to be able to make up a little bit of ground out there in the National League Central. The Atlanta Braves are trying to make up some ground out there in the National League East. They have yet to be above 500 this year, but they were able to take to the Pittsburgh Pirates. 14-3, they pounded them. For the Atlanta Braves, they were able to get Abraham Almonte, his second home run the season, and then Ronald Cunha Jr. goes deep for his 24th. William Crow, the starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, wasn't a great start, but at the same time, it could have been worse. He gives up two runs over the course of four and a third innings. A bullpen of the Pirates, which has actually been relatively solid, just got destroyed. Clay Holmes was able to give you a third of an inning scoreless, and then from there, you wind up having Kyle Keller give you a scoreless inning, but Kyle Crick, who has been good for the team, gives up four runs in a third of an inning. Jason Shreve gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, and then Dwayne Underwood Jr., 
Seven runs given up in his inning of work. It got so bad that John Nogowski, who was playing for the St. Louis Cardinals last week, a position player, gave you a scoreless inning. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Jacob Sellings was able to get his 16th home run this season. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Jacob Sellings was able to get his 6th home run this season. As for the Pirates, they go 2 of 16 with men in scoring position and they strand 14 men on base. It is really hard to get only 3 runs off of 14 hits, but that's what happened as Drew Smiley he gave up a lot of contact, only gave up 3 runs while giving up 9 hits and 3 walks over the course of 5 innings. That is nothing short of wizardry right there. From there, you wind up having Jacob Webb give you 2 scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Shane Green, A.J. Minter, goodbye for a scoreless inning and Jesse Chavez, scoreless inning out of the bullpen for the Atlanta Braves. The Tampa Bay Rays and Cleveland Indians wind up playing a double dip, and for the Cleveland Indians, their win streak went from 7-9, so that's not great. The Rays wind up getting an 8-1 win in Game 1 for the Cleveland Indians. They were able to get a home run off the bat of Framel Reyes. Good to have him back off the injured list. His 13th home run of the season, but starting pitching right now an issue for the Cleveland Indians. Two and two-thirds innings from John Carlos Mejia gives up six runs, all of which were From there, you wind up getting five outs with one run given up by both DJ Johnson, along with Trevor Steven. They had identical lines as for the Tampa Bay Rays. Three of home runs in this one. Kevin Kiermeyer, second home run of the year. Brett Phillips is 14th, and Brandon Lau is 18th for Michael Waka. Typically, I say Waka, 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 Waka. Because he gives up a lot of runs, but instead he made the other team go waka 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 waka. That's my dying Pac-Man voice right there as he gives up one run over the course of six innings. It was that home run to Reyes, and then from there, Ryan Sheriff was able to give you a scoreless inning, and then game two. The Cleveland Indians go from scoring one run to scoring zero, four to zero. The Tampa Bay Rays wind up being able to get the job done as the Cleveland Indians were a part of a combined no-hitter. It's not going to go down as a no-hitter, but there were no hits provided by the Cleveland Indians in a game that went the full amount that it was supposed to. Why baseball won't award this a no-hitter, I'm not sure, but with that said, Cole McHugh, Josh Fleming, Diego Cassio, Matt Whistler, Pete Fairbanks, they were all part of that no-hitter, so congratulations to them. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they go 3-8 of eight with men in scoring position. The Cleveland Indians wind up having Sam Entages get the start. He should probably never start again. Four and a third innings, he gives up four runs. He now has an 8.23 ERA. Nick Sandlin from there gives you two-thirds of an inning scoreless, and Blake Parker was able to give you a scoreless inning, but a very embarrassing display, to say the least, from the Cleveland Indians. Not necessarily the world's greatest display out there on Wednesday by the Philadelphia Phillies as well. A Cubs team that have lost 11 straight. Well, they are off the schneid. 8-3 to three the final. They take it to the Philadelphia Phillies as Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler he was not wheeling, and he certainly was not dealing. He gives up seven runs, four of which were earned over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Connor Brogdon from there gives up a run before being able to get the team out of the sixth inning. Brandon Kitzler was able to give the team two scoreless innings, which is nice, and Andrew McCutcheon got his 15th home run the season. That comes off of Alec Mills, who's actually been able to give the Cubs a little bit of something as a starter. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up three runs. Keep in mind, he had a no-hitter last year against the Milwaukee Brewers. Rex Brothers from there winds up getting the team out of the sixth inning unscathed. Andrew Chafin gives you two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, and Craig Kimbrell, lower his ERA to a 0.57. He is back in full force as he winds up being able to get it done there. For the Cubs, no home runs, but they went 6 of 9 with men in scoring position. That'll typically generate some runs, so that was very good for them. It was Matt Harvey Day on Wednesday, and it was the Toronto Blue Jays absolutely destroying Matt Harvey Day on Wednesday. 10 to 2, the final for the Blue Jays. They had just one home run in that one, and it does not wind up coming off of Matt Harvey. Rather, Cesar Valdez, as you wind up having Bo Bichette being able to get a 16th home run this season, as it was just not a good start for Matt Harvey. Three and two thirds innings. Gives up six runs, all of which were earned, and Pluko gives up one run while being able to get four outs. 
Cesar Valdez gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of an inning. You've got Zach Lothar go two innings, giving up a run. And Paul Fry, a scoreless inning as for the Blue Jays. He had Hunjin Ryu give you a really solid start. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Trevor Richards, newly acquired by the Blue Jays via the Milwaukee Brewers and the Rowdy Tellez deal. He winds up giving a scoreless inning along with Rafael Dolis. Anthony Kay comes in for one and two-thirds innings. He gives up a run. And Tim Maza was able to give you an out out of the bullpen as well. So the Baltimore Orioles just continue their losing ways. The Padres have not had too many losing ways this year, but they've now dropped two of three to the Washington Nationals, 15-4 to four the final. This was just a terrible start by Chris Paddock. Goes two innings, he gives up nine runs, eight of which were earned. Not much can be said about that, except it was terrible. I will say, Nabil Chrisman, in long relief, goes five innings. He gives up one run. That was solid, but Nick Ramirez, five runs, four of which were earned over the course of two innings himself. And for the Padres, they were actually able to get a pair of homers in this one. Eric Hosmer, seventh homer on the season. That comes off of Patrick Corbin. And then you wind up having Trent Gershom being able to get his 11th homer on the season. That comes off of Kyle McGowan. As Kyle McGowan winds up giving up two runs and three innings. Patrick Corbin gives up... Two runs in six innings. He's been able to turn it around a little bit. And Juan Soto, home run in back-to-back days for him. His 11th home run of the season. And I know that many of you guys are tracking what is all going on with these totals right now because we've got the sticky stuff situation that is going on. We have been seeing a couple more overs recently, but it certainly has been relatively 50-50 ever since we've seen the crackdown on the sticky stuff over the last seven days. It has been 46 overs, 42 unders. The previous seven days, you saw pretty much the reverse. So we've been seeing a relative stalemate there. Favorites, 58 and 34 over the last seven days. And home teams are 50 and 43. But if you're looking over the last 30 days, favorites and home teams have been doing very well. 59.3% win rate for home teams, 64.6% clip for favorites. Favorites, 249 and 142 over the last 30 days. Home teams, 240 and 165. And if you're looking for the season in general, home teams, 740 and 574, 55.4% clip. I'm mentioning this because we are seeing ballparks start to fill up a little bit more on favorites. Overall for the year, 754 and 552. And if you're looking at overall overs and unders, 622 overs to 610 unders so far this year. And I would be remiss if I failed to mention this. The LA Angels wind up having Shoei Otani go deep again as they take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 5-4. to four. Jared Walsh was able to go deep twice. Very underrated player. 21st and 22nd home runs of the season and Shoei Otani winds up being able to get a deep ball off of one. Eduardo Rodriguez for his 32nd home run of the year. As for Rodriguez, he gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including two of those three home runs. Atacazus out of Mora and Garrett Woodlock both give you a scoreless inning, and then Darwinson Hernandez gives up the other homer to Jared Walsh for the Boston Red Sox. You wind up having this team go 4-13 with men in scoring position, so they were relatively solid there. Andrew Heaney gives up three runs in five and a third innings, but bullpen was able to do their job. Mike Myers gives up a run in an inning, but Rossi Iglesias able to get his 18th save with a scoreless inning, and Steve Ciszek was able to give you five outs out of the bullpen. So that's what we're all seeing trend-wise in baseball right now, and that's what we all wound up seeing from Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Thursday. Let's talk to our good buddy, Jason Radowitz about some of the angles that he's seeing for some of the games that are going to be going down on this Thursday. And let's just break down the card with him in general next, right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. So we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to have this next guest on our podcast as Jason Radowitz does absolutely terrific work for a wide variety of platforms. He's over there with the game day MOB, giving out some picks over there. 
Uh, it's Checker US. He does a little bit of everything. Obviously, baseball being in his wheelhouse. Obviously, baseball being in his wheelhouse right now. And then he does a show Monday through Friday for SPR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. SPR Sports Pick is the Twitter handle on that. And for Jason's Twitter, you're able to follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. Last name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. And Jason, it is always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I appreciate you having me. Right now, at the time of recording this, I am sweating a bit. <laughs> this is just the baseball daytime. It's been great. We're going to have some more going into this Thursday. I agree with you. I don't think that we're going to see a total of four and a half like we saw in game one of the Brewers versus the Mets game. I have to think that that is the lowest total we've ever seen for a game pre-flop. Now, granted, obviously, we've only had seven inning doubleheaders since the beginning of 2020, but still, that was a little bit shocking. But when you take a look at the board that we've got right now for Thursday, I'm seeing one total that is south of eight right now. Obviously, a little bit of subject to change, but... That'd be the Dodgers versus the Miami Marlins. And I think the Dodgers are going to be intriguing to look at moving forward because I know that a lot of people, when it comes to the futures market, they are downgrading the Dodgers because they no longer have Trevor Bauer. I don't necessarily think it's the world's worst thing. Is not having Trevor Bauer a downgrade? Yes. But Tony Gonsolin pitching five and a third inning scoreless like he did a couple days ago, I think is going to be able to help out this Dodgers team moving forward. Even though Trevor Bauer has been amazing the last couple of years, it didn't necessarily translate to wins whenever he would start. Now, granted, those were teams like the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians that he was pitching for, but still, it is one of those things I take a look at that aspect of it as well. And the Dodgers are the one team with the luxury of having two guys in their bullpen in David Price and Jimmy Nelson, who were all-stars as starting pitchers as well. So I'm not sure how you view the Dodgers moving forward, but I can still safely say that I have them atop of my board with regards to my power rankings and still think that they should be the favorite to win the World Series. Yeah, and the Dodgers, they've got so much depth like you talked about. They've got guys that have been in the big scene for the World Series in their bullpen, you know, not just, you know, from last year, but also from other years, you know, played in big games in the playoffs, like David Price, for example, like you mentioned. So, yeah, the Dodgers, they're a deep team. They're a really good team. They'll be fighting there for the World Series throughout the entire season. Playing against the Marlins, you guys, you should be able to beat the Marlins, you know. You know, Tally always wins that. Yeah, I agree with you on that, although I will say Sandy Alcantara has had a very good year so yeah. far this year. Finding him right around a plus 140 underdog against the Dodgers, you might be able to find a little bit better. You might be able to find a little bit worse, but we've got a little bit of a pick game that's going to be going down in the city of Chicago as well with the Cubs and the Philadelphia Phillies. As we know, the Phillies are a team that they have not necessarily been so great on the road. Meanwhile, at home, they've been relatively good at the time of this recording. They're about 10 games below 500 on the road. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Cubs. Going into the series, they were 26-13 and 13 at home, but they entered into Wednesday on an 11-game losing streak. I'm not sure how you look at the Cubs right now, but I think that this is a team that they have played themselves thoroughly out of contention. It's one of those things of which I need to see it to believe it from them a little bit. And I've got to believe that at this point, they're probably going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Yeah, and you know, Chris Bryant obviously would be the big ticket item if the Cubs elect to get rid of Bryant. Bryant would bring in a ton of prospects, would help the rebuild immensely. So yeah, the Cubs, this was really, really bad right before the All-Star break. But I think management has to be happy. The organization has to be happy that... At least if it was going to happen, it happened before the All-Star game, before the deadline. 
so that they can you know really understand where they're at as a team moving forward. If this would have happened just after the All-Star break, just after the trade deadline, oh boy, would the Cubs be in a world of hurt, especially if they wound up buying a couple small pieces. And you'd probably have some waiver deal, like I still remember a few years ago. You wound up seeing the Boston Red Sox do that massive fire sale. So that could have been very ugly, to say the least, although I still think it might be quite ugly at the trade line for the Chicago Cubs. As we do have Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. And a few weeks ago, I know that many people were talking about this man, perhaps being one of the hottest ticket items on the trade market for the trade deadline. But it looks like the Washington Nationals are probably going to be sellers no more. And that is because they have been able to pick things up recently. Now, Kyle Schwarber being on the 10-day injury list, no doubt hurts them. But you've got the Washington Nationals on the road taking out the San Diego Padres. Yu Darvish is going to be going for the Padres. Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Nationals. Right now, as I'm seeing it, Padres, as low as about a minus-137 favorite, as high as a minus-145. I do think the Padres should be a slight favorite in this spot, but anything north of a plus-125 for me is going to be a take on Max Scherzer. Ever since he wound up giving up those four home runs in his first start of the year against the Atlanta Braves, this guy has been lights out. I know that he's getting up there in age, but I'm still going to trust Max Scherzer if I'm getting north of plus-125 in this spot. Yeah, you know, both pitchers have been really outstanding this year. You know, Scherzer, 2.10 ERA. The one thing with Scherzer is, and Darius has done this too, I mean, actually it really seems like a lot of aces this season have kind of been giving up early runs and then kind of settling in. Well, that's what's going to happen with both these pitchers. But the Padres, they seem to kind of start a little bit slower. Not that that really matters for this game, I think. We'll probably end up seeing like a two to two game or like the extra innings or something like that because these two pitchers are really terrific. Both bullpens have been really good. Maybe a little bit overworked for both these bullpens, but they've done their job. They've done it well. To your point, the Padres have used their bullpen for the most innings out there in the National League, but they've got the league's best bullpen as well. And I'm so glad that you bring up the early runs that these guys are bringing up at that these guys are giving up as well because I do a show every Sunday over there with the Vegas Ads and Information Network with former MLB pitcher Josh Showers. One thing that he's really picked up on, Max Scherzer seems to give up all of his runs in the first inning. He always winds up taking a first inning yes when it comes to a run being scored in his starts. And then from there, things wind up settling down, it seems like. So I'm so glad that you wound up taking a look at that. Typically, it's a something's got to give situation when you've got two very good teams like We've got two very good pitchers in that game. This is a something's got to give situation for all the wrong reasons, though. The Colorado Rockies right now, 6-32 and 32 on the road going into Wednesday. The Arizona Diamondbacks, 9-50 and 50 in their last 59 games. Two poopy teams enter. One team, unfortunately, will get a win on their resume as it's Chichi Gonzalez going up against Jake Feria in this Diamondbacks versus Rockies matchup. The Arizona Diamondbacks, about a minus 125 to minus 130 favorite. I know that this is a game so ugly that only a mother could love, Jason, but do you have anything on this one for what is really two sad organizations right now? Yeah, you know, the Rockies have obviously been really, really bad on the road this season, and of course they'll be in Arizona for this game as they've been throughout the entire series. But, you know, the Rockies are still a better team on paper, obviously 37 wins. They've been a lot better at home, but... You know, going up against the Diamondbacks, I think they can at least flex their muscles a little bit and say, ha-ha, we're better. So I would go the Rockies route <laughs> if you must, but this is one game that I will not be looking at. Yeah, this is one of these games in which 
I know that many people have a philosophy of if you bet it, you've got to watch it. Well, I'm sure that there will be many people I probably do not want to watch that game. As we know, Jason Ryder was joining me on the podcast. I think we're going to see a little bit more appealing baseball out there as well because you do have Oakland A's versus the Houston Astros, top two teams out there in the American League West. That should offer something very interesting. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Indians as well. This is a team that they have been struggling they have been struggling very badly as of late, but the good news is they are getting back Zach Plesak in this start. It is very much needed because they are now riding a nine-game losing streak after losing both games in Tampa Bay in that doubleheader, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see what we get out of Plesak because I've always been one that likes to fade these pitchers when they wind up coming off the injured list just because I always think in their first start back, for one, they're not going to be providing as many innings as normal. They tried to be eased back by a lot of these managers. And for two, you can tell that these guys are rusty. Many of these guys, they wind up making a relief appearance or two, maybe a start when it comes to the minor league level to be able to get themselves ramped up. But pitching out there with like the Toledo Mudhens is not the same as pitching against the Kansas City Royals. Granted, not the world's greatest MLB team, but still an MLB team nevertheless. I don't know if how you wind up gauging guys that wind up coming off the injured list, but unless if it's a rare circumstance, I typically like to fade in spots like this. Yeah, you know, what I found kind of interesting earlier this season, it hasn't happened as much as it did earlier in the season, but when a pitcher kind of performed you know, worse than last year, got injured, they came back. They actually performed a little bit better coming back, at least in that first start. Then they came back to life and they started you know pitching like crap again uh, beyond that. So, it's an, it's an interesting look now, you know, what you're looking at, what I'm seeing, it's just very different in terms of analysis. But when you look at it, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, these pitchers are not great. It just seems like the first starts, like the Marco Gonzalez's and trying to remember all the guys that have kind of come back from injury who pitched poorly to begin with and then came back and were strong. But I saw quite a few of those and, and I got hit with a couple of those as well because I did what you did. I wanted to fade those pitchers coming in as well. They were already pitching poorly to begin with and then coming back. I mean, look, Plesak, 4.14 ERA. He wasn't terrific all season long. And then Danny Duffy also, he's another guy that was injured for a little bit, came back, didn't get that many innings of work since his return. So he was terrific before his injury, then just didn't really get the amount of workload that you would have hoped when he first came back. But I mean, both these pitchers should have some good outings. Obviously, both offenses aren't that great. The Indians, they are getting a little bit more healthy. And so are the Royals. They have been attending back as well. So maybe both offenses can figure it out just a little bit. But the starting pitchers, at least, they kind of profile pretty well. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see what we wind up getting out of the Cleveland Indians on Thursday and moving forward as well. And Jason, just when you take a look at the board for Thursday, it is a little bit shorter because it is a travel day for a lot of these teams. But is there maybe a game or two that we have yet to talk about that is standing out to you, whether it be from a betting perspective or just a sit down and watch with a beverage of choice perspective? Well, I love fading Jay Happ, and I'm not sure if I can do it with the Tigers, but I've enjoyed fading him 6.09 ERA. He's been really, really bad throughout the entire season. And it's funny because, you know, he's still coming up in trade talks at the deadline. You know, different contending teams might want to take a look at him. I don't understand it at all. I would not want to take a look at him. He has not been good. He's been terrible and uh, allowing so many hits and so many runs. But it'll be curious to see if he'll be able to perform these next couple of, of games that he'll get the chance to you know go to a contender and pitch like, meaningful games in the future. Yeah, with J.A. Happ, it certainly has been 
hapless for him to, this year, to say the least. He just has always been a fly ball pitcher. I still remember him with the Yankees a few years ago, giving up two home runs per nine innings. Just a guy that has been a weak link on a team that has been full of weak links when it comes to their pitching. If the Minnesota Twins had even league average starting pitching, they'd probably be able to live up to the expectations that they had coming into the year. Instead, in my opinion, they have been the most underachieving team out in baseball this season. And a man that never underachieves, that would be you, Jason. You do an absolutely terrific job with Odds Checker. You do amazing work with Sportsbook Review. You're now doing some work with the Game Day MLB. And I know you're getting set for all forms of football as well. The NFL, college football, you're going to be getting in on that. When college basketball rolls around, you and myself, we're going to be geared up for that too. So let the good people at home know what you've all got going on right now. And now they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere. Yeah, you can find me at Twitter, Jason underscore Radowitz, posting all of my plays there now moving forward. And of course, all my articles that I'm writing, which is a lot. So uh, make sure if you're going on my Twitter feed, you have, you have 10 minutes to waste uh, reading my articles and placing your bets. But a lot of work, a lot of fun, doing a lot and really enjoying this MLB season so far. Starting to get hot, so that's the fun part. I can tell you, if you wind up reading those articles, it will be a few minutes very well spent. Jason does a terrific job of being able to take a look at the baseball board day in and day out. Always great to be able to get him on this podcast. If you listen to my other podcast, Hooper with Hoops, he does a great job on the college basketball scene when that rolls around as well. So always great to get Jason aboard. So big thanks to him. Now it is the time podcast coming up next. That'll give you a sign total on every game on the Thursday MLB betting board and a little something like call. Touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is always a pleasure to get Jason Radowitz on the podcast. Does a great job with Sportsbook Review. Does a great job with Odds Checker. He does absolutely amazing work over there with the Game Day MLB. list goes on and on. Great to be able to get him aboard, have him help me break down this card today. So, big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRNSQuarty1. As per usual, we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. We do not have any interleague games, so there is that, and it looks like we're not going to have any rainouts for Wednesday, so that should keep things all neat, clean, and easy, as we're going to be going with that first National League game first. 951-52 on the betting board. You've got the LA Dodgers on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins. One Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Mr. Julio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers find themselves... Anywhere between minus 148 and minus 165 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fish, anywhere between plus 138 and plus 143 with your total on this game 7.5. With the 7.5, unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. The overs anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. With Mr. Arias, we have seen a lot of overs in his starts. In his last 11 starts, he wound up having one that just wound up being a no-call because that was the game that wound up getting shortened due to rain in Pittsburgh, but... 
I believe that only two of them have went under. So we've seen a lot of overs in his starts. And that's despite the fact that he's been relatively solid this year. He's given up 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but he's actually done his best work away from home. In nine starts, 7-2 record, 340 ERA. Has given up eight home runs in 53 innings, but opponents are just at 200 off of him. And this is a Miami Marlins team that... They don't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to put bat to ball. You do have Garrett Cooper giving you a little bit of something. He winds up going deep yesterday, so he is all of a sudden being able to give this team a little bit of something. Hitting now a 275, but then you've also got Asus Aguiar and Adam Duvall, who have been able to give this team 14-plus home runs. Both of these guys 50-plus RBI, but Duvall is right now a little bit banged up. Aguiar has been able to give the team 50-plus RBI, and then you've got Miguel Rojas along with Jazz Chislam, hitting between a 250 and a 260, so these guys have been relatively solid, and then you get into the guys like Corey Alfaro, John Birdie, a bunch of guys hitting between a 220 and 230. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, you take a look at the lineup that they wound up trotting out there yesterday. Every position player north of a 305 on base, and pretty much everyone except for Cody Bellinger. And I guess you could throw in there Austin Barnes as well, hitting at least a 230. Now, Albert Pujols is the lone outlier, but that's because he wound up beginning the season with the LA Angels, has been a bit better ever since he's gotten there with the Dodgers at being able to get on base, and he's not a typical starter for this team either. So you've got that aspect of it. You've got Justin Turner down for what? Doing a nice job with right around a 400 on base, and Max Muncy north of a 400 on base, 18 home runs. Mookie Bet seems to be turning it around as well. He winds up going deep yesterday, so he's been able to do a great job at the plate. Both of these bullpens, you got to figure, are going to be gassed because both of these teams wound up having a bullpen game yesterday. So you had a wide gamut of guys go there. And for Mr. Julio Arias, he has been able to lend at least five innings in every one of his starts so far this year. And for Sandy Alcantara, he has been a workhorse as well. A grand total of 112 and two-thirds innings. If he's not in the league lead with that regard, he is pretty darn close and he's done his best work at home. Only a 1-3 record across nine starts. But in those nine starts, he's posted up about 60 innings. So he's going a little bit north of six innings per start. He's given up six home runs in 58 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are buck ninety-two off of him, so he is relatively rock solid. You got to figure for the Miami Marlins, they're going to do their best to trot out there. One of their guys that they have been relatively solid all year long. Dylan Floro, Yimi Garcia in relief of them. Anthony Bender has actually been very good for them as well. And then when you take a look at the Dodgers, you got a couple guys, Jimmy Nelson along David Price, who want to be getting their careers as starters. So you got to figure that if you need to look to someone out of the bullpen, those are probably going to be your guys. But in this spot, I do think that the Dodgers should be a sizable favorite, but you take a look at Alcantara. He has been able to do a good job so far this year. When it comes to Dodgers, want to making them in this spot a minus 153 favorite, so needed at least a plus 153 to be able to take a shot on the Marlins. Did not wind up getting that. When it comes to the run line, this is a situation where I might wind up taking the run and half with the Miami Marlins. I'm seeing them getting a run and half at minus 120. We have seen the Dodgers play a good amount of one-run games recently, so I'm going to wind up actually taking the run and half with the Miami Marlins at a minus 120 price, and with this total, set it at 6.8. I do think that we're going to get a low-scoring game with a pair of guys that know that they need to get their team innings, so we're going to be going under along with the Miami Marlins on the plus run and half run line. Doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it happens. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Arizona the Diamondbacks are going to be playing us to the Colorado Rockies. One Chichi Gonzalez is going to be going for the Rockies. J. 
Jake Feria is going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are sadly finding themselves favorites anywhere between minus 126 and minus 136. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rockies, anywhere between plus 114 and plus 126, 9 to 9.5 is your total. On the 9, over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 9.5, under is between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is between even and minus 105. I wound up setting this total a little bit north of 10, so we're going to be looking at an over in this spot. When you take a look at both of these guys, I have no faith in them whatsoever. Jake Ferry is trying to be stretched out. The Arizona Diamondbacks have absolutely no idea what they're doing with their starting pitchers. Like, three-fourths of their starters so far this year has been time in both the bullpen and the starting role. And when you know something about baseball, because I've been able to have the pleasure of talking with Josh Showers, a man that knows a lot about being a starting pitcher, your homeostasis, for lack of a better term, and your training, completely different when you're a starter to a reliever. So, for Mr. Feria, he's had no consistency whatsoever. Gave up four runs in his last start against the San Francisco Giants across his two starts. Eight innings, giving up five runs. He's only gotten six strikeouts in that time. He's a guy that throughout his career has not necessarily done the great job with command either. You take a look at Chichi Gonzalez. He's given up fewer than three walks per nine innings. The problem is, he's also given up right around a home run in half per nine innings. You take a Look at him on the road. 681 ERA. 0-5 record across. One relief appearance and seven starts. Opponents are hitting a 302 off of him. But the good news is he's facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. You do have Eduardo Escobar, who's been able to do a good job of being able to bet to ball for this team. 18 homers. He's hitting a 250. And you've also got Israel Cabrera, David Peralta, Josh Rojas, all hitting between a 250 and a 260 for this team. So they've been able to get a little bit of something there. And then you take a look at a guy like Paven Smith. He's hitting a 260. But really, other than Roas and Eduardo Escobar, not a single guy with north of seven home runs on this lineup. And for the Colorado Rockies, when it comes to road batting averages, because at home, the Colorado Rockies are hitting about a 280 as a collective, but on the road, they entered into yesterday's 6-32 overall. And, well, this team on the road is hitting about a collective 200. So that is not too terrific. Now, Ramiel Tapia, Garrett Hampson, Trevor Story, all guys with a double-digit amount of stolen bases, so they're able to create a little bit of something that way. Overall for the year, Ryan McMahon, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, Garrett Hampson. All in between a 245 and a 260. So these guys have been rock solid with Josh Fuentes, guys like CJ Crone, Elias Diaz. These guys have all been so much better at home than they have been on the road. And the Colorado Rockies in general, their pitching staff has actually been better at Coors rather than on the road, which I find to be very intriguing. You've been able to get a couple innings out of the bullpen out of guys like Tyler Kinley, Justin Lawrence, Carlos Aceves, and Yuli Shasin has actually been okay. And for the years in the Diamondbacks, over the last three days, their bullpen ERA is just barely below six. No, Ramirez has been trying to give this team a couple innings along Joe Monopoly, but you've got a pair of teams that are just not necessarily too good. Going into yesterday with the Arizona Diamondbacks, 9-59 and 59 in their last 59 games. So it's one of these something's got to give circumstances. I do think that the Rockies should be a very slight underdog, but getting a plus 125 in this spot, that is a little bit intriguing. I wound up saying the Rockies at plus 116, so I'm going to wind up taking the plus price here, and I think that both of these pitchers are going to get rocked a bit, so we're going to be going over along with that plus price with the Rockies. 955, 956 on the bagging board. The New York Metropolitans are going to be playing those to the Pittsburgh Priors. JT Brubaker is going to be going for the Buckos. Meanwhile, Taiwan Walker is going to be going for the Mets because the Mets wound up having a double header. Currently, only Circa has a number up on this game. You're finding the Mets at minus 192. Pittsburgh Pirates plus 
plus 174, 7.5 is your total. Under is minus 115 on the juice, over is minus 105. Wound up saying this all at 7.4, so I'm going to be looking under on that 7.5. And when it comes to the Mets, I wound up saying them at minus 193 on the money line, so that's right around where I have them pegged. But if you're taking a look at the run line, you're finding that at plus 108. That's what I'm going to be targeting. I was willing to take any plus price I could get. I was actually willing to lay more like a minus 110, minus 115, because with Taiwan Walker, he has done a great job of just being able to keep the ball in the yard in general. And his last start against the Yankees, he wound up pitching five no-hit innings before things wound up going off the rails a little bit. But overall, he's given up six home runs in 85 innings. He's been able to do his best work at home. And the Mets in general just have been so much better at home. They have the best home win percentage of any team out there in the big league so far this year. For Walker, Buck 52 ERA across seven starts in City Field. One home run given up in 41 and a third innings. And opponents earning a buck 71 off of them. That's not good for a Pittsburgh Pirates team that is at the bottom of the league when it comes to home runs per game. Now, you do have a couple guys who are doing a good job of being able to reach base. Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds. Both of these guys have an on-base percentage that is north of a 385. And for Reynolds, he's been able to give the team 15 home runs. He is the only guy that has north of nine home runs for the team. Gregory Polanco has nine. And then nobody else has more than six. Now, Ben Gamble has been able to get a little bit out in the month of July. He's now hitting about a 260 for the year, so you give him a little bit of credit. Colin Moran, whenever he's been out there, he's been solid, but he has been injured all season long. And then you take a look at it with Mr. Polanco, Kevin Newman, Philip Evans. You're able to throw in there Michael Perez. List goes on and on of guys that are in a 215 or lower for the team or for the Metropolitans. They are starting to get a little bit more healthy. You got to figure that Jeff McNeil is going to be able to give this team a little bit of something along with Michael Conforto. It's been a little bit rough for them coming off the injured list, but I think that they're going to be able to round into form. You've got James McCann hitting a 250 for the team. Don Smith, Pete Alonso, both hitting in that pocket between a 255 and a 260. Smith has been able to hit a couple home runs for the team recently, and Pete Alonso entered into the double dip yesterday with the Brewers having 15 home runs, and he's got about a 340 on base, so that has been relatively good for this team. Kevin Pillar, he has seen his batting average really dip. He, Francisco Lindor, Jose Peraza, only between a 210 and a 225, so you need a little bit more there, but with the Mets, good news is they didn't necessarily need to burn up too many bullpen pieces yesterday. That bullpen game that they wound up having Robert Stock take, good news is he was able to go four innings, so that really was able to help them out, so that means that guys like Trevor May, Aaron Loop, going to be good to go out of the bullpen. And for the Pittsburgh Priors, this is a team that they actually do have a good bullpen. Richard Rodriguez has been able to provide you with some very good innings all year long. Kyle Crick had been good up until he gave up four runs yesterday, and you got to figure that he's not going to be able to come back in this one. David Bernard has been able to give you some solid innings. Clay Holmes has been a little bit up and down, but he's able to give you a tad bit of something, but I do take a look at this spot. I think that the Mets should be able to get some very good pitching going, which is why I'm going to be taking this total under. I think the Taiwan Walker going to be able to dominate this lineup, so in this spot, going to be going with the Mets on the run line. I think that the Pirates, who have scored now three runs or fewer in eight out of their last nine game going to continue to struggle. So, Mets run line and this total under the play here. 957-958 on the betting board. You got the Philadelphia Phillies on the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Ed Bear Alzale is going to be going for the Cubbies. Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Philadelphia Phillies. Right now, only Circa has a number up on this total because we are noticing that the wind is probably going to be blowing in in this one relatively strong at about 10-ish miles an hour. 7.5 is this total. Over and under are both at minus 110 at Circa. If you're taking a look at just the money line, you're going to be finding the Cubs as good as a minus 102. You're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Phillies, finding them as good as a plus 110, 
going to be finding them. I guess you got as bad as a minus 108. Very intriguing to see all the moving numbers with this game with the Philadelphia Phillies. I was mentioning it a little bit before with Jason Radowitz, the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies have not been good on the road going into yesterday, 17 and 26 overall, but the Chicago Cubs wound up entering into yesterday, losers of 11 straight games, so you've got that going on as well, and for Zach Eflin, he has been so much better at home than he has been on the road. On the road, he has been Eflin awful. At home, he's actually been relatively Eflin good, which is why he's got a 3-6 record with a 4-1-3 ERA overall, but on the road, 5-71 ERA, 1-5 record. He's given up 10 home runs in 52 innings. Now, wind blowing in should be able to help him out a little bit there, but still giving up an opponent's batting average of a 286. Meanwhile, you take a look at Alsley, 4-8 record, but this is also a guy that he pitches significantly better at Wrigley Field. 386 ERA at home, 506 ERA on the road, 3-2 at home, 1-6 on the road has given up only 10 walks and 35 innings at home so the command has been there opponents staring at buck 97 off of them and then with the Cubs this is very much a feast or famine offense because they do rely upon the long ball they're one of the best teams at being able to generate those home runs but wind blowing in might hurt them a little bit Avi Baez has missed a couple games recently seems like he's a little bit banged up you've got guys like Jock Peterson Jason Award, a bunch of the outfielders hitting a 230 or lower which has been a little bit of an issue but Chris Bryant 350 on base Anthony Rizzo Wilson Contreras more on a 340-ish on base, so these guys have been relatively solid. With Rizzo, he has been banged up quite a bit this year, but a double-digit amount of homers there. Chris Bryant going into yesterday had 16 homers. Wilson Contreras has been able to give you a bit of something as well. Nico Horner coming back is big as well. He's hitting north of a 325 for this team. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. They've been able to get a couple pieces back as well. Gene Segura, Didi Gregorius are back in the infield with Segura, he's hitting above a 320 so far this year. Bryce Harper finally got a home run that was not a solo homer earlier in this series. He has got 15 so far this year. JT Riemito, 365 on base. And Andrew McCutcheon, only a 232, but 350 on base, 14 homers. So he's been highly productive there. He's been good out there in the field. But I did take a look at this Phillies bullpen, and it does leave for a lot of cause for concern. Aniel De Los Santos has not necessarily been too terrific. Bailey Falter, you've got to figure because he wanted pitching so much on Tuesday. He's not going to be available. Now, Ranger Suarez is someone that can come in as a long reliever, but Hector Neres has been a hot mess. And for the Cubs, they wound up entering into this series with the second-best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. They certainly have had their ups and downs recently as well, but Craig Kimbrell certainly does look solid for the team. Dan Winkler has been able to give the team good innings all year long. Rex Brothers seems to be declining a little bit, but by and large, I do have a little bit of faith in this Cubs bullpen, and I just cannot trust Zach Eflin on the road. I wound up making the Cubs right around a minus-126 favorite in this so I'm going to wind up riding with the Cubs and when it comes to the total, I do have to gauge it a little bit differently because the wind is going to be blowing in. I wound up setting the total as a result at 7.2. So at a 7.5, I'll be taking that under and I'm going to be going with the Chicago Cubs on the money line. 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati and they're under the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers in my New York Post play of the day as you're finding the Cincinnati Reds as a slight favorite in a few books but in a lot of books, you're going to be finding them as a little bit of an underdog. With the Reds, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 106. You're going to be finding them as good as a plus 101. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Brewers, highest price I'm seeing there is minus 117. You're finding them as good as a minus 104. Your total on this game is ranging between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. On the 8.5, the over is anywhere between plus 110 and minus 110, which makes the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 130. And this is a spot in which I wound up saying this total at 8.9. I do think that there's going to be some runs generated, so we're going to be taking 
taking a look at this over. And with the Reds, they are my New York Post player today. Made them a minus 124 favorite. I like what Tyler Molly has been able to do. He wound up having a very good start earlier in the year against the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee. And you take a look at Molly overall for the year. He has done much better work on the road than he has done at home. As we know, Great American Ballpark, very much a hitter-friendly ballpark. But on the road so far this year for Molly, across 10 starts, 5-1 record, 2-0-1 ERA. He's given up three home runs in 53 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are a buck 88 off of him, and he's getting north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. That is pretty darn dominant. Meanwhile, you take a look at Adrian Hauser. This is a man that he's given up quite a bit of hard contact, right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. More concerning, though, just below four walks per nine innings. At home, he has pretty much the same ERA that he does on the road. 3.96 home ERA, 3.92 road ERA, but at home just a one and three record because opponents are getting quite a few walks off of him, right around four walks per nine innings. Whenever he's been at home, you take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers team, and I do think the fact that you wind up having Colt Wong now on the 10-day injured list is going to be affecting this offense a little bit. With the Milwaukee Brewers, they were really ascending when it came to their offensive production. You take a look at it prior to Game Two of their double dip against the New York Mets. They had scored three runs or fewer in each of their last three games, so that has been. A a little bit of an issue for them not having Wong out there now. You do have Christian Yelich who has been able to do a good job of being able to reach base for the team. His on base is right around a 400, but you just expect more than five home runs and north of 170 at-bats out of him. Omir Nervais, he's got nearly a 400 on base as well. They have brought in Rowdy Tellez to try to give this team a little bit of production. I've always felt like he was a little bit overrated with the Toronto AKA Buffalo Blue Jays. Now, Willie Adamas has come in. He's been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers ever since he wound up getting traded to the Brewers and hitting right around a two 80-ish while he's been with Milwaukee, so that's been good, but you've also got Mr. Tellez along with Manny Pina, Jackie Bradley Jr., Daniel Robertson, all guys hitting a 215 or lower, throwing their Casanera as well, and Luis Ordias has been able to give this team a tad bit of something, giving the team a 240 batting average, but a little bit of a liability out there in the field. Meanwhile, the Reds, I do recognize that this is a team that they have been doing a much better job of being able to generate runs when they've been at home rather than away from home, but they have now played it at least five runs in each of their last three road games, so they have been able to excel with that regard. You've got Jesse Winker and Nick Cassianos. Pair of guys with at least 16 homers. Pair of guys hitting north of a 300. These guys have been absolutely amazing. Meanwhile, you got Jonathan India now with a 392 on base, and the entire catcher spot for this team, Tucker Barnard, Tyler Stevenson, both of these guys hitting north of a 260 with Stevenson, right around a 380 on base from Taylor Naquin, has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of formers. He's hitting a 250. Joey Votto's gotten his batting average up to a 260. Shogo Akiyama has been a little bit of a liability along with Kyle Farmer. And for the Reds, bullpen is still not necessarily too terrific, but Brad Brock has been able to give this team a couple good innings recently. Art Warren was used yesterday, but only for nine pitches, so he should be able to come back. He's got a sub-2 ERA. Josh Osich has actually been very good as well. Once again, he was used yesterday, but only for 12 pitches. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, these guys have been absolutely dominant for the team, and I will say Brad Boxberger has actually come in. He has been very solid out of the bullpen, so I do give him some kudos there. You've been able to get some solid bullpen pitching, but with that said, I do think that the Reds are going to be able to get to Adrian Hauser. Hauser has always had some career issues with the Reds, a north of six career ERA whenever he's faced off against Cincinnati, so New York Post play of the day going to be the money line of the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to be going over as well. 961-962 on the betting board, the Washington 
Nationals on the road are going to be facing off against the Slam Diego Padres. Hugh Darvish is going to be going for the pods. Bam Max Scherzer is going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Nationals are finding themselves as underdogs in this spot. Anywhere between a plus 123 and a plus 132. Meanwhile, if we're taking a look at the Padres, anywhere between minus 133 and minus 142, 6.5 is your total. Overs anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. The unders anywhere between plus 110. And even this is a situation in which it's Max Scherzer we trust, ladies and gentlemen. Ever since he wound up giving up those four home runs in his first start of the year against the Atlanta Braves, this guy has been absolutely lights out. He's been doing it at home. He's been doing it on the road. It just does not matter to this guy. He has given up ever since he wound up giving up four home runs in that first start. Literally less than a home run per nine innings. His ERA since then has been sub two. You take a look at what he's done on the road. 230 ERA across eight starts. He has given up four home runs in 47 innings. Opponents overall are hitting a buck 79 off of him. He still has his good stuff. Right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Meanwhile for you Darvish, can't sell him short. He's giving you right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been incredible Incredibly dominant at home. In San Diego so far this year, Darvish, a 2.12 ERA across 11 starts. Eight home runs given up in 68 innings. He's only given up right around two walks per nine innings. Opponents overall rating right around the Mendoza line of 200 off of him. So he has been able to get the job done with the Padres. You've got to look at this team and think a little bit more about the over because Fernando Tatis Jr. has 27 homers going to yesterday, hitting a 300. Also leads the league in errors as well. So that also works both ways. Tommy Pham, right around a 375 on base. You've got Manny Machado, Trent Grisham, in between a 265 and a 275, and for Machado, ever since the beginning of the month of June, he has really gotten white out. He's been pumping out a couple more homers since the beginning of June, hitting about a 330 for this team. Awesome Kim, along with a little bit of a backup catcher situation in Webster Rivas, have not necessarily been able to give this team a little bit of something, but the on-base percentage of so many of these Padres have been very solid. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, not having out there Kyle Schwarber is big for this team, but I do think that Juan Soto is going to be able to find a little bit of power. He was able to go deep for this team on Tuesday. So it's right around a four-hour base. Just 10 home runs going into the game on Wednesday, though. you got to figure that that's going to be picking up. You've got Alcides Escobar, who has come in from Japan and has given this team a little bit of something. Didn't think I'd be saying that, but he has been solid. Ryan Zimmerman has been able to give this team at bats whenever they have been given to him. Jan Gomes, Sterling Castro, Josh Harrison in between a 265 and a 275 for this bunch. Victor Robles, not necessarily a great batting average, but he's got right around a 330 on base. And both of these bullpens have been very solid. I know that Jason was talking about this with the Padres. They've used their bullpen for the most innings out there in the National League, but Pierce Johnson, Tim Hill, you take a look at even a guy like a Drew Palmer and Sick Ramirez. All these guys are holding down the fort. Mark Melanson leading the league in saves, and for Brad Ann, he has been highly reliable for the Washington Nationals. They get Kyle Finnegan off the injured list as well. That fortifies them a tad. Kyle McGowan has had his ups and downs, but by and large, he's been able to do a little bit of something. And hey, going into yesterday, Wander, I swear this guy sucks with a sub-4 ERA, so that's a little bit of a bonus for the Nationals. This is just a situation in which I'm going to be trusting in Max Scherzer. When you're able to give me north of a plus 125 with Max Scherzer, I know that you, Darvish, is obviously terrific, but I'm going to wind up taking that. I wound up saying the Nationals as a plus 120 underdog, so anything north of a plus 120 was going to be a take for me. Also set this total at 6.3, so getting plus money on the under of 6.5, very appealing to me. I'm going to be taking that along with the Nationals. 963, 964 on the banking board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. One Frankie Montas is going to be going for the Oakland A's. Meanwhile, Lance McKellas Jr. is going to be on the bump for the Houston Astros. Astros are finding themselves in between minus 149 and minus 160. Meanwhile, for 
for the A's. You're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 135 and plus 144. Nine is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 105. For Lance McCullers Jr., throughout his career, his ERA at home has been about a point and a half lower than it's been on the road. Now, he's been a little bit better on the road so far this year. And you take a look at Frankie Montas. He has just been a little bit all over the place. He hasn't necessarily been great at home. He hasn't necessarily been great on the road. For Montas, 7-7 record. 463 RA. Big thing with him is that he's given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. The walks per nine is hovering right around 2.6. Hasn't necessarily been giving out a lot of free passes, and his best pitching has come recently. Two earned runs or fewer in four out of the team's last five starts, giving up three homers in that time, so he's been able to rein it in a little bit more. You take a look at McCullers Jr. He's someone that has spent some time on the injured list, wound up coming back towards the tail end of June, and he has been relatively solid ever since he's come back. He has given up two runs or fewer in his four starts ever since coming off injured list. The swing and miss stuff has not necessarily been there, and I will say for the walks, three walks or more in four out of his last five starts, that is a little bit of a concern as his walks per nine rate is hovering right around five for the year, but he is still getting right around ten and a half strikeouts per nine, and he's giving up right around .8 homers per nine with the Houston Astros. This is a bullpen that is ascending as well. They wound up having a very bad start to begin the year, but Ryan Presley has been able to do a good job of being able to rein it in. Andre Scrub gives up a lot of walks, but he does a good job of being able to strain some guys. Blake Taylor has been solid, and then you Take a look at the Oakland A's. J.B. Wendelkin has come off the injured list. Hasn't necessarily looked sharp ever since doing so, but Jake Diekman is someone that's able to give you some good innings. I do like Yasmeto Petit along with Birch Smith as well. Lou Trevino has a two ERA for this team as well. He's been able to be used in a closer role. And then for the Oakland A's, they are dealing with a couple injuries. Mark Canna, their leadoff hitter all year long, has been on the injured list for the last few weeks. But you have been able to get Tony Kemp going. He's got a 380 on base. And then for Matt Olson, more like a 375. He goes the first 21st home run of the season yesterday. Yesterday, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Jed Lowry. He, Ramon Laureano, both between a 320 and a 330 on base. Now some of the guys at the bottom, like a Steven Piscotti, Chad Pender, Seth Brown, they need to pick it up a little bit. And then for the Houston Astros, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel. All these guys hitting at least a 280. All these guys at least a 365 on base. Other than Brantley, all these guys on base for north of 20 homers. And then you throw in there... Miles Straw and Kyle Tucker. Pair of guys hitting between a 260 and a 270 for Tucker. He's got 13 home runs so far, so far this year. Abraham Toro, 250 batting average. So you've got a lot of firepower there. But I do think that the Oakland A's will actually have a better ERA on the road than at home. They're going to be able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort. And I do expect we will be getting a very good start out of Lance McCullers Jr. as well, which is why I wound up setting this total at 8.6. I'm going to be diving under in this spot. And when it comes to the Oakland A's, I wound up setting them as a plus 164. So I don't have enough to be able to take them on the money line here. If you're taking a look at a run line price, I'm right now seeing that with the Houston Astros anywhere between a plus 120 and I'm seeing as good as a plus 130. I was willing to take them as long as I was getting north of a plus 115. So we're going to be taking the Astros on the run line lane that run and half to go along with this total under. 965, 966 on the banking board. You've got the New York Yankees and they're going to be on the road facing off against the Seattle Mariners. Logan Gilbert is going to be going for the Mariners. Meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the New York Yankees. Yankees are finding themselves as a favorite in the spot of anywhere between minus 137 and a minus 142. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the M's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 119 and plus 130. Total on scheme is anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, unders minus 120. The over is even. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. For Logan Gilbert, he has been able to do a very solid job, in my opinion, and I wound up making it, so 
if I was getting anything above a plus 107, I'd be taking it with the Seattle Mariners. Now, I do expect regression with this team. Going into yesterday, they had a 45-41 and record, despite the fact that their run differential for the year was minus 53. They have the same run differential as the Texas Rangers, who are 34-53. and That just cannot last, but at the same time with Gilbert, 410 ERA, he has been able to do some solid work, mostly on the road, but at home he's been able to rein it in a little bit as well. With his home record, it is a 563 ERA. It's been mainly because he's given up four home runs in 24 innings. The walks per nine, that is very good. Five walks in 24 innings, that's something that you'll certainly live with. Overall, opponents are hitting about a 231 off of him, so he's coming and he's been able to hold down the fort for the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, you take a look at Jordan Montgomery. This is someone that he excels at Yankee Stadium. When he hits the road, not so much. 553 road ERA across eight starts. He has not necessarily been able to lend a lot of length either. Opponents are hitting a 278 off of him, so you've got that going on. And for the New York Yankees, it has been one of those things where if the pitching is bad, the bats are good. If the bats are good, the pitching's bad. And you take a look at the Yankees. They have been able to ascend a little bit with their offense. DJ LeMayu, Aaron Judge, along with Giancarlo Sin. You could throw in there Gio Urshela as well. Anywhere between a 270 and a 285 with a batting average judge right around a 380 on base, 19 home runs. He has been solid. Giancarlo Sain was in a little bit of power outage. Wound up getting a home run earlier in this series. That should be able to help him out. Luke Voigt is now hitting right around a 240 for this team. Glaber Torres is in that pocket as well. Now, you need a little bit of something out of guys like Brett Gardner, Tim LaCastro. I know that Kyle Gashioka doesn't play too much for the team, but you need a little bit more there. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. Worst batting average in the league going into Wednesday. You've got a lot of guys. Kyle Seager, Shed Long, Tom Murphy, Taylor Trammell, Dylan Moore, Jorge Mamalois. All these guys hitting at 220 or lower, but J.P. Crawford at the top. He's got a 285 batting average high France, right around a 350 on base. He's been able to hit about a 270. Jake Fraley hitting in that pocket of about a 250 along with Mitch Haniger, who's been able to provide 18 homers. And for the Seattle Mariners, Kendall Graveman, he's been burying the grave of so many teams late in games. He has got a very good one ERA. He has been absolutely amazing for the team. Keenan Middleton it will give you a little bit of something out of the bullpen. Hector Santiago is now back after his sticky stuff situation, so you've got that going on, and Drew's second rider has been good for the team. Meanwhile, with the New York Yankees, our oldest chairman just seems absolutely broken at this point. I don't think you can have any faith in him whatsoever until he gives you a couple good appearances. Now, I will say Chad Green has been very good for the team. Jonathan Lewis, guy out of the bullpen, has been very nice, but they wound up having a spot start Nick Nelson as well, so that wound up taxing the bullpen a little bit as well. I do think that in this spot, you're going to have Seattle with a little bit of a better bullpen. I think that Logan Gilbert is going to be able to lend a better start as well. And when you take a look at it, Seattle plays a little bit more hitter-friendly during the daytime rather than the nighttime, which is why I wound up saying this total at 9.2. This is going to be a day game out there in Seattle, so we're going to be going over, and I'm going to take the plus price here with the Mariners. 967-968 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing us the Toronto AK Buffalo Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. Keegan Aiken is going to be on the bump for the Orioles. Tallest game is any between 10.5 and, and 11. On the 10.5, over is minus 120. Under is even on the 11. You're going to be finding that under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. The Blue Jays are a sizable favorite. Anywhere between minus 205 and minus 215. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Orioles, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 180 and plus 190. Am I going to nibble on the Orioles? Heck no, because you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Keegan Aiken so far this year, and it has not been good. Meanwhile, with Alec Manoa. He has actually been able to do a relatively solid job as a rookie starter for this team. 2-0 record, 36 and two-thirds innings. Has given up a little bit too much hard contact with seven homers, but about three walks per nine innings. Last time he faced off against 
against the Baltimore Orioles. Gave up one unearned run over the course of six innings. That wound up just being a very unfortunate loss in which the bullpen just was unable to come through. But for Alec Manoa, he has given up a grand total of seven earned runs across his last five starts and one earned run or fewer in four out of his last five. This is a guy that does a great job of being able to get punch outs as well, right around 11 per nine innings. Meanwhile, you take a look at Keegan Aiken. 7.46 ERA. He has given up at least four runs in each out of his last four starts. At least three runs in each out of his last five. He has given up in his last two starts a combined four home runs. He has went four and a third innings or fewer in four out of his last five starts. Need I go on? This guy stinks. You take a look at the Blue Jays. They wind up lighting up Matt Harvey. Why Matt Harvey is still getting starts in the major leagues and is collecting a paycheck? I have no idea. I salute you because you should not be earning money right now. But with that said, the Toronto Blue Jays absolutely destroyed him. You've got Marcus Simeon along with Boba Shett. pair of guys hitting above a 280 for this team. Both of these guys, north of 15 home runs. Simeon, north of 20. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been absolutely amazing for this team. He has been able to give the team north of 70 RBI already, 440 on base. He is second in the American League when it comes to homers. George Springer just came off the injured list. He should be able to pick up his batting average as hovering right around 225 as I do this to Oscar Hernandez. Hitting a 295, Randall Gritchick along with Lourdes Gurriel. In between a 260 and a 270, this offense is locked and loaded. Meanwhile, with the Baltimore Orioles. If you're looking for a good aspect for this team, it has been the hitting. You've got Austin Hayes, Trey Boom Boom, Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle. All these guys hitting between a 245 and a 255, Mancini and Mountcastle, both between 14 and 16 home runs. Cedric Mullins, he has been terrific at the leadoff spot. 16 home runs. He's hitting north of a 310, 380 on base. You gotta like what he's doing, but then You've got these slugs at the bottom of the line. Ryan McKenna, Pat Vileka, Domingo Leyva, Austin Wins, Chance Sisko, all these guys hitting a 210 or lower. DJ Stewart is right in that pocket as well. Ramon Odias has been able to give you a little bit of something. Then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles because they wanted starting Matt Harvey. They had to tax their bullpen yesterday. Cole Souls or Tanner Scott. These guys have been relatively solid, but I mean, you're trusting in guys like Tyler Wells and company to be able to give you some good innings. I will say Paul Fry has been okay for the scene, but you take a look at the Blue Jays. They have been able to revamp their bullpen a little bit. They wind up trading for Adam Simber along with Trevor Richards in the last couple days. It's going to be interesting to see if Richards is going to be available. That trade with the Brewers just wound up happening, but you know that Taylor Sacido is going to be available. He has been able to do a good job for the team. Rafael Dolis is off the injured list as well. They wound up acquiring Jacob Barnes as well. This is a situation in which I think that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be able to hang a very crooked number up there on the Baltimore Orioles. This is a situation in which I wound up saying the total at 10.6 because I actually do think that Manoa is going to be able to give you a relatively solid start. So with the 11s, I'm going to take that under because I do think that it's gotten up a little bit too high. Taking a look at the run line, I am seeing this anywhere between a minus 135 and a minus 145. I was willing to lay about a minus 140-ish in this spot, so I'm going to wind up taking the run line in this spot with the Blue Jays, and I'm going to wind up taking this total under as well. 969, 970 on the betting board. You've got the Kansas City Royals in the road phase off against the Cleveland Indians. Zach Plesak is going to be going for the Indians. The Duffman, Danny Duffy, is going to try to deliver for the Royals. Royals are finding themselves as underdogs in this spot. You're going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 130 and a plus 136. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Indians, anywhere between minus 141 and minus 157, 8 and a half is your total. Seeing a straight 9 out there as well. On the 9 unders, minus 120, the overs even. If you're looking at the 8 and a half overs, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 130, the unders, anywhere between plus 110 and minus 105. For Zach Plesak, this is going to be his first start in quite a while. Meanwhile, for Danny Duffy, he has been trying to get ramped back up after he wanted spending 
quite a bit of time on the injured list as well. Prior to going on the injured list, Danny Duffy was looking like one of the best starters out there in the big leagues. In his last four starts ever since then, he has won four innings or fewer in every one of them. He has given up a combined six runs over the course of ten and a third innings, so it hasn't been great. It hasn't been terrible. He just wound up having one bad start against the Boston Red Sox in which he wound up giving up three bombs in Fenway. That was not necessarily too terrific, but still, I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up at that. Meanwhile, you take a look at Plesak prior to going on the injured list at a 4-1-4 ERA. Relatively respectable. You figured that there was going to be a little bit of regression coming in because his whip was hovering right around one. So, it's not like he was walking a lot of guys. It's not like he was giving up a bunch of our contact. It was just one of those things in which balls were finding holes and he was getting a little bit unlucky. Overall, for the year, opponents are getting a 218 off of him. He's issued 12 walks in 58 and two-thirds innings, but you got to figure with Plesak, he's probably not going to be able to lend as much length as he typically does. And for the Cleveland Indians, this is a team that they've lost nine straight games. It is not necessarily going well for them, but they do have Jose Ramirez back in the fold. He, along with Amir Rosario, Harold Ramirez, all guys hitting between a 260 and a 270. They've been able to get Framiel Reyes back a little bit, but it seems like he's still dealing with injury as well. So you got to figure until further notice that he is going to be a big giant question mark for this team. And then got a bunch of guys hitting a 225 or lower. Bobby Bradley, Cesar Hernandez, Yu Chang. You throw in there Oscar Mercado, Austin Edges, Owen Miller. You've got Ernie Clement in that fold as well. So got a lot of slugs out there for the Cleveland Indians. It's been a very up and down lineup to say the least. And for the Indians, really the best aspect of this team has been their bullpen. And they had to go through quite a few arms yesterday with having a double dip. Nick Sandlin wound up having to pitch a little bit along Blake Parker. Now Emmanuel Clay, James Karinczak. These guys have been very solid. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. Josh Seamount has been able to give you some good innings for this team. I do like what you're able to get out of Jake Prance along Scott Barlow. So these guys are going to be able to come in. They're going to be able to stem the tide. And then with Salvador Perez, he has been able to give this Kansas City Royals team north of 50 RBI. He's been able to go deep 20 times, hitting about a 280. And then you've had a pair of guys be able to do a good job of being reach base for this team with Merrifield. And fresh off the injured list, Andrew Benatendi hitting between a 270 and a 280 for Benatendi. He had a home run in that series against the Reds, so it looks like he's back to his normal self. Answer Alberto, Nicky Lopez, pair of guys hitting a 270 should be able to help out the team, but Hunter Dozier along with Ore Soler. These guys have been absolutely brutal. With Soler, He's got six home runs after he had 48 in 2019, inning below the Mendoza line of 200. It has not necessarily been too terrific there. You take a look at the spot, and it's very interesting because Plesak is the better pitcher in this spot, in my opinion. I wound up setting them as a minus 157 favorite. This is a spot in which I'm taking a look at a run line here right now with the run line of the Cleveland Indians. I'm seeing that as high as a plus 140. I think that that's a little bit too high in a game in which I think that both of these guys are going to give up quite a few runs. Set this all at 9.3, so I'm going to be taking it over. Typically, I'd like to fade guys off the injured list, but I do think that Plesak is going to be able to give you a little bit of something, so taking the run line of the Indians, and I'm going to be taking this total over, and we wrap things up with 971-972 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing us the Detroit Tigers. Tyreek Skubal is going to be going for the Tigres. Meanwhile, Jay Hepaparay, who's been more like J.A. Hep Boo for the Minnesota Twins is going to be getting the start. Draw this game is anywhere between 9.5 and, and 10. On the 10, under is minus 120. The over is even on the 9.5. You're going to be finding that over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. With the Minnesota Twins, they are favorites of anywhere between minus 131 and minus 141. Meanwhile, with the Tigers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 115 and a plus 124. For Tariq Skubal, he has been a little bit up and down so far this year, but recently he's been able to do his best pitching. And for J.A. Happ, he is very lucky that he's 
right now playing in Minnesota because that is one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in baseball, or else he'd be giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. Right now, he's barely below that. He's giving up 16 home runs in 75 and a third innings. 6.09 ERA for J.A. Happ. You take a look at it recently. He's given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts. A lot of these have come at home. He's just been getting absolutely destroyed. His strikeouts per nine, that's hovering right around six and a half-ish, closer to seven, but it's just not been good. Meanwhile, you take a look at Tariq Skubal. He wound up having a bad start in his last one against the Chicago White Sox, but he's really given up three runs or fewer in all but two of his starts. Ever since the beginning of May, he's been able to rein it in. Does a good job of being able to get swings and misses. A little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, a four walks per nine, something that he does need to work on in. The amount of home runs that he's given up so far this year is 17, but a lot of those wound up coming at the beginning of the year. And you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. This is a bunch that they have been able to do a good job with their lineup. Johnson Scope has really been able to find it since the beginning of June. Hitting north of a 350. He's got 16 home runs. He has been able to do a very good job for the Detroit Tigers. You've all of a sudden been able to get Miguel Cabrera going as well. He's no longer being a waste of money for this team. So that is very nice. You've got a pair of guys with right around a 350-ish on base in Robbie Grossman along Jamie Candelario. Zach Short has right around a 400 on base and Akil Badu hitting at 275. That has been a good surprise for the team as well. And then you take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of the Minnesota Twins. And this is a lineup that has been relatively solid in that Nelson Cruz has been able to give the team 18 home runs. Spent a little bit of time on the injured list, but he's hitting a little bit above a 300 for this bunch when you've got a pair of guys in Trevor Larnish along with Alex Kurloff coming along for the ride. Both of these guys hitting above a 260. That is very helpful as well. And then you've got Luis Arrive hitting at 292. He's been able to do a nice job of being a each base. You've got a couple guys that need to pick it up. Miguel Sano has his batting average at 200. The power has not necessarily been there in recent weeks. Max Kepler is fresh off the injured list as well. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins bullpen. It has been up and down to say the least. Taylor Rogers has been able to give you some good innings. Ansel Robles has been a little bit up and down with right around a 4 ERA, but I still think that he's relatively solid. Ore Alcala has been able to give you some good innings, but Alex Colomay has been a big giant waste of money. You don't know what you're going to be able to get. Uh, something like a Derek Law, so that has been a bit of an issue for the same. Kale Theobar has not been and then with the Detroit Tigers. Bullpen has been rough all year long with guys like Joey Menace and company, but Kyle Funkhauser has been able to give this team some good innings. I do like what you're able to get out of Gregory Soto as well. And even Brian Garcia, he's had some falters recently, but he has been relatively solid for this bunch as well. I take a look at this spot. I wound up saying the Tigers as a plus 132 underdog. I was willing to lay up to a minus 132 with the Minnesota Twins. I do think that they're going to be able to rein it in a little bit more. Seeing the minus 131 at Circa, it is barely a take on the Minnesota Twins. Also wind up saying this total at 9.5 with Jay App. I think that being at home is going to be able to help him out with not allowing as many deep bombs with the Detroit Tigers. You just need a little bit more power outside of what you've been able to get out of Jonathan Scope, which has been amazing, but other guys have not necessarily been able to come along for the ride. So we're going to be taking the Minnesota Twins in the spot along with the total under and that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Thursday. A big thanks to our good buddy Jason Ryder with SBR, aka Sportsbook Review, along with Odds Checker, does some great work with the Game Day MLB as well for joining me last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question for the podcast, one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is by Twitter timeline. At Jaren Scorty, one keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there. Always appreciate you guys sending in. I'll be coming at you every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah.